was half a billion dollars recently spent by the U.S. government to train the army to fight reptilian super soldiers? Huh? Probably, probably not. Probably not, but let's take a look at it anyways. Who knows? It could be wrong. And then we travel to Colorado to take a look at a haunting deep within Dead Man's Canyon. Is there really a chopped up bloody ghost hiding in the bushes? And when he leaps out of the bushes, hands wrapped around our throat, we're forced to ask the question, is he trying to murder us or does he really just want a hug? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a good day. I hope you guys are having a good day too. I hope you guys have some awesome plans for the weekend. I'm gonna go see Smile. That'll take up about two <laughs> take up about two hours of my weekend, and the rest of the time I'll just kind of walk around in a circle, hoping for the best. But someone who always gets the best walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our Christmas livestream contributors from way back in 2022's Christmas special. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for St. James. woo yeah! Come on in, buddy, walking on into Dead Rabbit Command. He's dressed up in his little uniform. He has on a little military uniform. He's, he's dressed up as the Nutcracker. He's against his Christmas time. That's your military uniform, a 19th century Cossack walking in. St. James, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon or the live stream or whatever he did to get on the show... That's fine, too. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really, really helps out a lot. Now, St. James, when he donated to the Christmas live stream, he put in a request, and that's why it's taken so long to get to you. He specifically requested he wanted to be part of a military episode. So, St. James, I hope you got that musket loaded. I'm going to toss you the keys to the dead rabbit dune buggy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Take us deep into these tunnels, leading underground i have a theory i think most people enjoy war as a concept i don't think they love it personally i think like if you could have all of the cool stuff about war people getting blown up uh, buildings collapsing up people running from it and stuff like that if you could have all that cool stuff people would be like more pro-war you'd have to you'd have protests being like more war more war i think i, I maybe i'm wrong on that you're like, jason yeah you're completely wrong on that i find war fascinating i find the idea of two groups of people smashing into each other and then fighting over contested territory and things like that and i also find the politics behind war very very interesting but when you look at the human cost, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you've got all that stuff that it's a little more, it's a little more boring and a little more uh, tugging at your heartstrings. Like, you know, you got refugees and then you got like people buried in the rubble and like their hands sticking out and papa, papa, let me get you out of the rubble. And they're like, no, you can't do that, son. There's like three tons of rubble on your dad. That hand it hasn't been moving for a while, bro. <laughs> I don't think your dad's still here. Like, nobody likes that part of war. Nobody likes that part of war, but in theory, I think that's why like we can watch war movies and play war video games and buy war toys, but like when a real war breaks out, you're like, come on guys, can't you resolve your differences in another way? Does that make sense? Like I think people enjoy war in theory. 
And I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those. <laughs> you're like Jason. Yes, you're the only guy on earth who could who could possibly think that you can separate the two. I can watch war movies all the time. I can't tell anyone apart because I have facial blindness. The whole movie. I'm like, which one's Ryan? They all look the same. But I can watch them. I just, you know, someone has to go that one. <laughs> that guy who's clearly Matt Damon. Was he even in the movie? That guy right there. That's the guy. I can't tell anyone apart if they're wearing a helmet or they all have a buzz cut. I really can't. I like those movies. I can play video games where I'm running around blowing people's brains out. But if someone gave me a rifle in real life and said, see that guy over there? He did something wrong to your ancestors. You got to go blow his brains out. I'd be like, I don't know. This, this, isn't, this isn't so fun anymore. Does he have a gun too? They're like, yeah. And it's like, okay, now it's definitely not fun. Because there's a chance my brains get blown up. In theory, war is pretty cool. So I do read articles about like the military and stuff like that. I find the whole theory of it fascinating. Recently, this article came out. Not only is it a cool look at the future of warfare, it actually, I'm surprised the conspiracy theory community isn't eating this up. Before I started recording this episode, I went to darkoutpost.com, that weirdo conspiracy website I go to. That guy's in love uh, with David Dobrik. Actually, that's not his name. What's his name? Uh, Dave something or another. He has this show called Dark Outpost. Dave Zublik. And he's like in love with this woman. He keeps, I almost want to do a story on it. He keeps photoshopping this picture of this woman into all of his videos. She gets interviewed, but... Like, he photoshopped, like, he, there's a photo of her just standing here, like, with her arms crossed, and at first he would just have that in his thumbnail, and then, like, a photo of him, and now he's actually, like, copying her pose, so it makes it look like it's, they're in the same photograph, it's super weird. I mean, this guy's talking about all sorts of stuff, but he's not talking about the story we're about to discuss. Right now, he's doing a thing about who's causing the reoccurring date of the Mexican earthquake quakes he says that monkeypox is caused by the covid vaccine which is a whole other ball of wax right he has that no one else is talking about this story and it's insane because we're underneath the earth saint james is on point he's walking rifle ready because we're about to engage with the reptilian empire not really, okay? <laughs> that might have been a bit of an exaggeration. Let's get to the story, but this is fascinating. I'm surprised no one else is covering this. I read this really cool article written by Matthew Cox for Military.com. And just recently, it has been revealed that the Army, the U.S. Army, has spent a half a billion dollars to train the majority of its battalions, I think it's like 28 out of 32 or 28 out of 34 battalions, have been trained or are training right now in underground warfare. And the idea is this. The U.S. military says the next wars are going to be fought in the megacities. We're all going to go to Judge Dredd's reality after the dimensional merge. The U.S. military, basically, they're saying, listen, the next war is going to take place in the megacities. You're going to have just block-by-block block warfare. Now, a lot of it's going to be leveled by tanks. A lot of it's going to be leveled by airstrikes or drone strikes, things like that. Every war ends with the infantry moving into an area to be able to secure it. You have to be able to walk through the city and like look in the pantries and be like, nope, no one there. <laughs> probably, probably you should check the closets and the basements first before you're like looking for some crustables to eat because there's obviously not a gunman hiding in the cupboard. You're just really, really hungry. 
they said this is really where the next war is going to be fought. But the other thing is they go, we also have to be able to fight underneath those cities. We have to go underground into these massive structures. And they said some of these some of these structures underground, they're talking about like sewers and subways. But they're also specifically talking about Russia, which has a massive underground complex that was built up during the Cold War. So they could pretty much hide most of their population, or at least the ones they deemed worthy, underneath the ground. You have whole cities down there that you can move stuff around. They go, we're going to have to put troops into places like that. And for the longest time, we've trained our special forces to fight underground. Because we're going after groups like Al-Qaeda, we're going after groups like ISIS, things like that. But they go, once we start fighting what the term is called peer warfare, right? You're fighting people who have the same level of technology, or maybe better. The same level of troop training, or maybe better. You can't count on having these small groups in there. This is fascinating. They were talking about one of the countries they were really looking at was North Korea. And they said, North Korea has, this is crazy. They have 4,800 underground facilities in the country of North Korea. This is a new manual that came out, according to the Army's subterranean manual. I mean, that just sounds dope, right? They said, quote, North Korea could accommodate the transfer of 30,000 heavily armed troops per hour. And they said that these complexes just crisscross throughout the country. So you could you could move 30,000 troops and no air photos are going to pick it up. Thermal scanners aren't going to pick it up. Nothing. And they would just pop out of these areas. They go, we've determined that these are like the five main exit points. But even if you put, <laughs> if you put a couple of people to watch, there's 30,000 people per hour jumping out of there. It'd just be like this huge swarm. And they also reference, they go, North Korea, they have an air base inside a mountain. I mean, come on, dude, that's like Cobra Commander level stuff. That's the things we see on 80s cartoons. I don't know if they have a really cool, thick metal door that goes, goes up and like jets fly out as Kim Jong-il stands here with his hands on his hips, goes, ha, 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 they'll never stop me now. He should. I don't see why not. He already has a airport built inside of a mountain. They said, we got to train not just our special forces. We got to train everybody to fight underground. This is so crazy. And they showed in this article by Matthew Cox, they showed like a diagram. They showed like a drawing from the military manual. And they were showing a bunch of troops. Like they showed like all this. It was like inside of a tunnel. And they showed like a bunch of troops standing around. And then they kind of like outlined the other things you would need to worry about in a tunnel as opposed to really anywhere else. And it was, the, obviously, there'd be no lights. There'd be zero, zero visibility. Everyone would have to have a flashlight, which is basically a shoot-me-here sign to someone standing at the other end of the tunnel, right? You see a bunch of flashlights. You, it wouldn't even be flashlights. You see a bunch of headlamps, and you're just like, you you stand in the darkness, you know? They're coming in to just shoot at anything that's lit up. You just have this big bullseye on you. Oxygen monitors. You, would, you could totally wipe out a whole battalion of people by just shutting off the airflow. Like, how would you even be able to measure that without an oxygen monitor, obviously? Like, you don't think about that. You're never outdoors running around shooting people out of trees, and you're like, Joey, Joey, stop. Can you breathe? Can you breathe there? They're like, of course I can breathe there. I'm in the jungle. There's oxygen everywhere. 
underground, I mean, you could have gone underground and walked a mile in with a bunch of troops, and then everyone just drops dead. I mean, you have, like, a little, the soldier in front has to carry a canary, so they have to have oxygen monitors with them. And I can't even imagine the chaos of a firefighter. I mean, there's whole first-person shooter levels where you're in, like, a subway. What's that thing called? I think it's just called the subway, but, you know, like a terminal, subway terminal. You have whole maps based on that. You're beneath the terminal, though, sometimes. You may be in access tunnels underneath that. Crawling, doing the little crouch crawl. In real life, you don't get to just hold down the C button. You're like, oh, my legs hurt, and you're, like, crawling down. How insane is that? How insane is that? But just as a interesting thing I wanted to tell you about, but also, like, this plays 100% into the conspiracy theory that reptilians have massive facilities underneath the Earth. I am shocked no one else in the conspiracy theory community is really talking about this. What's it? This is my conspiracy theory. Earlier this week, there was a big article in the conspiracy theory community, or a big story, about that badge, about that... Group, I think it was the National Intelligence. Let me pull up the exact name of it. Yeah, they recently had a patch that was released or a seal for the NIM Aviation Group. And on it, you saw a picture of like a plane, a, a, a newer plane, a supersonic plane, a drone, and then there was a little UFO in the corner. And that's been all over the blogosphere. They're like, oh, dude, look at this. They're finally revealing that they have. A UFO, I guess they have access to UFO clip art out of the military, you get this. That's been going around. It's kind of a fun story for some people. I guess it was a it was a mock-up. Because people have really gone into the designs of those other planes, and they, they said those are actually foreign planes. Most of those planes are enemy aircraft. So it looks like someone was just taking clip art and putting it on it was like a mock-up and then someone goes hey you know it'd be real funny they dropped a ufo in it and then it got posted to an official website it's a fun story it's a fun story but my conspiracy theory is that popped up to kind of cover up this other story coming out that yeah we spent half a billion dollars to train our troops underground because they didn't want us to know about the reptilians it's still ufo related right misdirection right maybe are they actually getting ready to fight these alien overlords underground would they be underlords at that point who knows probably not they're probably actually training to fight other humans which the reason why i like stories like the alien like humans fighting aliens and underground stuff because again i like fighting i like war but I don't want to kill other people. I remember when I walked out of Starship Troopers. I, I'm old enough to have seen it in the theater in 1997. I walked out of the movie and I said, I would totally join the military if I didn't have to kill other people. Like, if even if it risked, even if I thought like my limbs might get blown off and I might have sex, I might end up having sex with Dizzy. I would totally do it. I would take that risk because I'd be fighting bugs. I'd be fighting stuff. That actually, now that I think about it, the whole point of the movie was that bugs are people too. They also have feelings and things like that. They get scared. But yeah, I go, oh, dude, I would totally like throw grenades at stuff if they weren't other humans. So I, I would love the idea that we would be fighting underground. <laughs> they, put, they put all the guys. Actually, here's a crazy conspiracy theory for you that I just came up with. What if you had. What if you dosed your soldiers so the enemy looked like 
aliens. <laughs> they look like cheap, cheap Halloween outfits from Spirit Halloween Store. That's all I ask for. All I ask for is for an intergalactic war so I can blow things up. And not to be other humans. I'll be like, hey, brother, we're both on the same side now, right? And he's like, yep, and we're just like shooting some people from another planet. <laughs> They're totally innocent. They came to bring us all the cures for cancers. And we're like, you're not one of us, bro. We're blowing them up. Ships taking over other planets. And we're like, yeah. Yeah, this is what I've waited my entire life for. To conquer another world. St. James, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the Carboner Copter. We're leaving behind the battle-scarred planet known as Elysium 1. Not very peaceful anymore, is it, aliens? Take us all the way back to Earth. We're headed to Colorado Springs, Colorado. <laughs> Colorado Springs, Colorado. We were actually in Colorado earlier this week. We took a look at a haunting took a look at a haunting within the city of Denver. We're going to go farther out from there. Don't ask me which direction. I didn't look at a map. But but in Colorado Springs, Colorado, there's a place known as Dead Man's Canyon. Or is there? Again, I didn't look at a map. I'm going to easily verify it if it's still called that. Back in 1863, there is this little place called Little Fountain Creek. Doesn't that sound inviting, right? Little Fountain Creek, and there's this cabin there, and there's a man named William Henry Harkins. And he wakes up in the morning, he's like, oh, what a lovely day. The sun's rising, beautiful fresh mountain air. I don't have a machete embedded in my head. Ah, this is just a lovely day. What could possibly go wrong? Well, maybe he shouldn't have been bragging about having the brains inside of his skull because a short while away, there was a group called the Espinoza's Brothers. The Espinoza's Brothers. It's kind of a mouthful. There was five of them, and these guys were religious fanatics. Doesn't say what religion, but I'm going to guess Catholic, right? I don't think they were like Sufi or anything like that. The Espinoza Brothers, they were these religious fanatics. They're running around the area. They're also really angry with America and Americans because Spain lost the Spanish-American War. <laughs> I start from side to side. I was like, I probably should have done research on that as well. I'm pretty sure they won, because most of America is still America. All of America is still America. And Spain's a tiny little country. Actually, looking at that, I didn't know America and Spain fought, right? I know, like, we had wars in Mexico. There was the Mexican-American War. But America went to war with Spain? <laughs> You can hear, I was like, really? I don't remember this. I don't remember ever learning about this. We learned about the Mexican-American War and the French-Indian War, right? But, huh? What? I mean, that kind of sounds like a curb stop, honestly, like Spain's so far away. And they got, like, their giant galleons. They're floating, and America's just, like, shooting cannon. Like, how did they even, did they deploy troops here? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I probably should again looked at some of this information up. Anyways, you know me. I'm all about the ghosts. I'm all about the ghosts. The Espinoza brothers were ready to get revenge, and they began moving throughout the area, and they were killing miners. They were the job and not the child. They were killing miners, and they were killing ranchers. People would be out there being like, run, little doggies, run! And they're riding their horses, and they're rustling up cattle and stuff like that, throwing lassos. And then all of a sudden, the Espinosa brothers would jump out of the bushes. No! 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 
you'd be sitting there with a pickaxe being like, oh, I finally found me gold. <laughs> Leprechaun got a job as a 49er. He's like, "Ah, I got it. And the Espinosa brothers would block off the tunnel and you just see these silhouettes of five people. And you're like, no, no, not the Espinosa brothers. No. And what's interesting about these guys is that the way they killed people seems inefficient. I mean, I guess they they are serial murderers who are destroying people just because they belong to the wrong country, according to them. But they would... I had to double-check my notes. I was like, really? Did I type this in wrong or something? They would chop you up and then shoot you. It sounds like inefficient, right? Because everyone had guns back then. So, like, as these five dudes are coming towards you, you're like, ah. And I imagine you'd be shooting at them, and they like they were just chopping you up. And it's like, shouldn't it be the other way around? You figure you'd shoot them in the gut first. Ah. And then you'd, like, fall to the ground. And then they would chop you up. Not they'd be, like, coming at you with machetes and stuff like that. Hatchets. I don't know. Maybe it was a torture thing. I don't know. Maybe it was a religious thing. They were religious extremists. Who knows? They would chop you up and then shoot you. Well, one night, William Harkins is at his little cabin here in Little Fountain Creek. And who shows up? The Espinosa brothers. And they embed a cleaver right into his head. Stack. And as he, this, as they do, like you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, guys. Oh, you guys got me. You guys got me real good. I got this cleaver in my head. I guess we're even now. <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong. Okay, you guys can leave. And then they shot him. They shot him. And then they robbed him. Which, I mean, it's kind of... At that point, I mean, whatever. They're going to do whatever. You got a cleaver embedded in your head. You're shot a couple times. You're not like, oh, no. My precious moment figurines as they're putting them in a bag. You're already going to die if you're not dead already. Well, law enforcement was obviously on these guys' tail for a while. They were trying to put an end to these brutal murderers. And after the murder of William Henry Harkins, they corner the Espinosa brothers. They do it right. This is how things are normally done in America. They shoot them first. They did this one by one. They're whittling down the Espinosa brothers' numbers. They would shoot them first and then decapitate them. After all five brothers were killed, the posse showed up at this party. <laughs> What was going on back then, right? I guess it was a different time. They showed up at a party and threw the Espinosa brothers' heads into the middle of the party. That sounds like the best Van Wilder movie. They should do a Van Wilder 1863. Basically, the entire movie, a bunch of people get horribly murdered, and then Ryan Reynolds shows up and starts throwing heads around the party. And then someone eats a donut full of dog semen. That's still the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in a movie at movie theater. I was watching that. Ryan Reynolds tricks a man into eating a donut full of dog semen. I was like, what? What world am I living in? People died during the Spanish-American War. So I got to watch this movie? What is going on? Anyways, fast forward. Let's fast forward a bit in time, but not too far. These ghost sightings, we don't have a date on them, but they do seem to be around the time period. People started seeing the ghost of William Henry Hawkins in the area. And when he appeared, he would jump out of the bushes and he would have a cleaver stuck in his own head. And he would jump out of the bushes and he would pursue you down the canyon. That's his home turf, dude. He knows every crook and crevice. 
He knows where the stream is a little more streamy. You got to make that jump. He knows all that stuff. You're just walking through. Maybe you're on like a wagon train, right? And you're like riding your horse. And then some dude jumps out with a cleaver in his head. <laughs> That's the last thing you expected, right? And this guy's chasing you. And people would shoot at him constantly. And bullets would go right through him, obviously, because he was a ghost. And then they would go, oh, maybe I shouldn't have wasted my bullets because I'm out in the middle of nowhere. It's not like you can get a bunch more bullets. Maybe I shouldn't be shooting at this phantom. But, you know, the first couple bullets, obviously, you would think that it was a man with a cleaver in his head and he was going to put the cleaver in your head. What's interesting about this, other than the fact that the dead have come back to life, we have proof of the immortal soul, other than that type of stuff, is that we have this story from 1884. So, yeah, all of those stories would have really taken place between his murder in 1884. So we're talking about, what, a 19-year period. There was a woman named Grandma Wyatt, and she was riding through the area with her grandson. She was taking him home. And all of a sudden, out of the bushes, jumps William Henry Harkins, cleaver deep inside of his brain, and he grabs her skirt. So right there we have the idea of whatever this phantom is, it can manipulate physical matter. It's super rare. Despite what you see in horror movies, it's actually really rare that a phantom can grab onto you. This thing grabs onto her skirt. Now, this guy, William Henry Harkins, looked so lifelike. Everyone assumed he was real, including Grandma, including Grandma Wyatt. When this burly man with bloody face and cracked open skull jumps out of the bushes and grabs her skirt, she beats him up. She starts starts punching this guy. And she says, we have a quote from this woman. She goes, quote, you old buzzard. How dare you scare a baby like that? She's referring to her grandson, obviously. And then she says, this is weird. This is weird. Maybe she's turned on by men who have half their brains missing. She says, you old buzzard, how dare you scare a baby like that? I'll be back here later, though. She actually does say that. I'll be back here, though, later. And if you bother me, I'll give you a what for again. Now get from here. Like, why would you be telling why would you be telling a guy who jumped out of the bushes instead of an ambush being like, you know, you scared that baby, but don't worry. I'll be back, I'll be alone. Maybe she was looking for some loving. We don't know. But anyways, as she's punching this dude, he disappears. And that's when she realizes he's a ghost. So obviously, if this story this story from 1884 about a punching grandma is true. Her punches were landing. They were actually hitting some sort of physical object. It was able to grab her clothes and interact with her. Super rare in the world of the paranormal. Super, super rare. Fascinating. Jump to future times. There's a group called, a paranormal group called Anam Paranormal. And they decide to go and do on-the-ground investigation of this area. They go out. And listen, I've done a lot of on-the-ground ghost hunting type of things. You do have to bring protection with you, whether that's pepper spray. I mean, obviously, you know, like your religious icons, spirit box, whatever device you're using. But you also have to have, like, real-world protection. You Pepper spray, uh, knives, crowbars, bats, nunchucks, whatever you have available. They, and I get it, right? You're out in this canyon, worried about bobcats, maybe, or ghosts jumping out of the bushes. They bring a machete with them. 
they're walking through the darkness of Dead Man's Canyon, and they have this machete with them, and apparently they start to feel that the ghost is angry. They can actually say that they can feel the essence of William Henry Harkins. So they go, maybe it's not a good idea to bring, a, to bring an edged weapon around a man who was killed by an edged weapon. So they actually get a blunt weapon instead. Like, I don't know, a bow staff maybe? And they go back walking through this area, and they said they're able to register a temperature drop in the area. They get EVPs. And they said that after they replaced their edged weapon with a blunt weapon, the ghost seemed friendly. It actually seemed welcoming to this group called a NAM Paranormal. Which leads us into a bigger topic. Really, two bigger topics. First off is, I had this story prepped to go a long time ago. I had it ready to go, but just for whatever reason, it never fit into a particular episode. So when I was pulling it back up, I was checking my links again. Anam Paranormal is gone. It was a ghost research group. Their website's completely gone. The link, I'll put it in the show notes, but it's dead. There's no archive that I could find either. That's so disappointing and sad, right? Because we have these groups doing these on-the-ground investigations. Paranormal investigation, it's a labor of love. And there's a lot of money attached to it. And I think a lot of people get into it hoping they can make enough money to even just pay web hosting fees. But over time, right, maybe they can't. Maybe they can't afford to keep the website up. Maybe all the members are ghosts themselves. Maybe they're all dead and there was no one left to pay the bills. And so the website's down, which means all of their investigations are gone. All of their notes, everything is gone, their EVPs. And that sucks. It really is when you look at the world of the paranormal, the world of the paranormal investigators, to be specific. UFO investigators, Bigfoot investigators, they just disappear. I've been going through a thing where I'm trying to archive these big sites. I've downloaded the entire site of thinkaboutadocs.com. I'm in the process of downloading the entire website of the shadowlands.net. Not to repost, but if those websites ever do go down for good, we do have a record of all the research they've done. Because it does suck when this stuff completely disappears. But also I wanted to take a look at it because I think when you look at the phenomenon as a whole, we can take, this is definitely an, an anomaly. It's a ghost that can interact with living people. It can grab them. It can be hit by them. It appears lifelike enough that people are completely shocked when they shoot at it and it doesn't stop it. When they're punching it, they don't realize it's not human until it disappears. So it's not a wisp. It's not a, just some vapor. It's not someone with Casper legs floating through the bushes. It looks like a real person who suffered a severe injury. That's interesting in and of itself. It can interact with the real world. Super interesting. But I'm thinking about this and I go, you have a ghost that is attacking people. And then when we have this group of NAM paranormal that shows up later on, it does seem to be helpful. Or not necessarily helpful, but friendly. What happens to ghosts when they stop being visited? Now, we know some ghosts just dissipate over time. That seems to be kind of the accepted wisdom in the paranormal community. That's why we don't have caveman ghosts. That's why we don't have ghosts of centurions from Rome. That's why when you go to Turkey, you don't run into some dude from 600 AD. You don't run into these ghosts that are super old. 
most of the ghosts we see in the modern world are around 1800s and forward. You don't get a lot of ghosts from even the 1100s. Definitely nothing from, like, biblical time, right? Where's St. Peter's ghost floating around? (laughs) There goes all of my Catholic listeners. They're like, he's not a ghost, dude. He's not a ghost. He wouldn't be floating around. He wouldn't be haunting Bethlehem or something, dude. He's in heaven. Anyways, to my remaining non-Catholic listeners, that was just an example. Where are these ghosts? And I started to think, okay, so he's in that timeline. 1800s, these ghosts are still around. Or do they ever get bored? Do ghosts ever get lonely? Because this haunting isn't attached to a particular domicile. It's not like he was in a house and the house is burned down like we covered in the Denver episode earlier this week. And so the ghosts, as far as we know, have left. This is a man who was killed in the outdoors and he's hanging out in the bushes. And there was a time where a lot of people were moving through this area. But now in our modern age, how many people are really walking through Dead Man's Canyon? And does he stay in the bushes? Is he standing out there and he's kind of like looking for someone? Like, I think about how lonely it can be sometimes to be human. And yet we're still surrounded by people that if we ever feel like we can, we can reach out to other people, right? Even if it's just talking to other people online people in your social circle, meeting new friends, or hanging out with old friends, or whatever. You have these different options. But if you're a ghost, right, you're sitting in the bushes, and there's a time period where you're jumping out and scaring people all the time, but then there's less and less people. You probably stop jumping out of the bushes and scaring them, but eventually you're just in the bushes, and then, you know, 10 years pass, and you maybe see five people in that time period, and then another 30 years pass, and you see one or two people. And then 50 years pass, there's nobody, you know, and you're just kind of sitting in the bushes watching and like, that's your whole reality. You can't be like, well, (laughs) it's six in the morning. I've haunted this area all night. It's time to go hit up that sushi restaurant in downtown Denver. Like that's your existence. You're trapped in this valley. And if you can't even say you've watched the world go by, you haven't seen cities rise and all this technology be invented, you're in a canyon. You're just this ghost hiding in the bushes of a canyon. Like, do you feel that loneliness? Do you feel that isolation as the dead still walking the earth? How sad is it? Like, I wonder if William Henry Harkins is like, man, sure did suck being murdered, but I could have at least been murdered in a hotel where there'd be a bunch of people to hang out with. Or maybe, like, I got killed in a horrible fire at a clothing factory. (laughs) Maybe he's all looking at all these disasters. He's like, oh, man, why couldn't I have gotten killed in that? Who knows? Like, I, I wonder how lonely it is to be a ghost. And, you know, I've told this story before in the podcast. We'll wrap it up like this. When I first moved into this apartment, I sensed the ghost of an old man, an old emaciated man in my closet, which is where I record my podcast. And it didn't feel like I felt like it, I wouldn't necessarily say menacing, but it it just wasn't a entity I didn't want to have around. And I remember buying, I, I bought sage at one point to sage my house and I kept putting it off. Put it off for a long period of time, and then 
I finally, and I'd done this before. I was like, I should sage the house this week, and I should sage the house. Da 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 da. da. And then I remember finally one day I was resolute. I was like, I'm going to sage the apartment. I'm going to definitely do it this weekend. And then that night when I was sleeping on the couch, it was like a half dream state type of thing. So, you know, skeptics, totally. I totally accept skeptics being like that. I remember seeing him standing in my kitchen. And he said, hey, sorry, man, I didn't make mean to make you feel uncomfortable. I didn't, you know, that wasn't my intent, but please don't sage the place. I never did, right? And I wonder if he was, like, he wasn't trying to be menacing. He was just kind of lonely. And I wonder how many people he appeared to and they couldn't sense him. Or maybe they just sensed something was off. Who knows? Like, I imagine it could. I don't imagine all ghosts are lonely. But I imagine some of them are. So how lonely would it be to be trapped in that canyon? Just standing behind the bushes. There was a time period where a bunch of people were walking by. You jumped out with a big, big giant cleaver in your brain. It was great. Less and less people started coming through. Until finally, you know, 100 years later or so, a paranormal group comes through. And you're just happy to be noticed. You're just happy to be visited. This is a super obscure ghost story. And Am Paranormal is one of the few places you could find it. I got it from my favorite book, The National Directory of Haunted Places. Which again is, I think it's out of print at this point. I think most copies are used. I have three copies just in case, you know, you can't find another one. But yeah, it's an obscure ghost story that should be more well known. It exhibits a lot of things that most ghosts can't do and even this absolutely fascinating even this super rare ghost story is quickly being forgotten and the ghost of William Henry Harkins is being forgotten as well is he still waiting in those bushes eager to see another human it's a sad story of a murder victim turned into a lonely spirit who still hides in those bushes hoping that another person will walk by. Not to chase him through the dark twists and turns of the cabin, but maybe just to say hello. I don't know, he does have a big track record of chasing people around and grabbing their clothes, so... So, I don't know, maybe pay him a visit, though. Maybe go down to this possibly treacherous area. I don't know exactly what it's like, but if you're in the area, maybe go... Uh, Maybe go say hello to this ghost. You may think he's chasing you and that he's going to kill you when he catches up, but maybe, just maybe, if you turned around as you're running in terror, running through this unfamiliar territory, if you turned around, you would see the face of Henry Harkin with the biggest smile he's ever had. Because once again, he has a friend. Again, he also does have a cleaver in his head and he might kill you. We're a little unsure on that, so be careful. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.